Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. You and I have got to stay close to the Spirit of God. D.L. Moody said this, A great many think because they have been filled once, they are going to be full for all time after. But oh, my friends, we are leaky vessels and have to be kept right under the fountain in order to be kept full. From time to time, we all seem to get into a routine or possibly even a rut in our relationship with God. But it's likely that even in these inevitable moments, you sense that something important is missing. Well, today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy looks at the commandment to be filled with the Holy Spirit and its importance for living a godly life. We're learning what being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like and the difference he makes. It's the conclusion of a message filled with the spirits or spirit. The entire message at ktt.org. Now, here's Philip. I want to speak to you on the subject of filled with spirits or the Spirit. And so take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to just zero in on this issue of being filled with the Spirit of God. It's so critical to all that we seek to undertake for God's glory, whether as husbands and wives or children or whether as workers or employers. We are commanded here not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's talk for a few moments about the filling of the Spirit. He begins here in chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God, walk in love. But they can only do that if they walk in the Spirit and are filled by the Spirit, according to verse 18. He has called them from chapter 4 and verse 1 to fulfill the calling that is bound up in their conversion and uh, position in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he reminds them that they can only fulfill that calling if they're filled full of the Holy Spirit. This is not a suggestion. Paul is not saying to these um, believers at Ephesus, you know, would you be filled with the Spirit? Pretty please. It's not a request of that kind. It's a weighty command. It's an imperative in the Greek. It's in the imperative mood. That simply means it's not a tentative suggestion. It's not a mild recommendation. It's not a polite piece of advice. This is a bold-faced command, an obligation that is squarely placed on the shoulders of the Ephesians. They have no more liberty to escape this duty than they have the ethical duties that surround the text. Just as husbands must love their wives and wives must submit to their husbands and children must obey their parents, so they must be filled with the Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is part and parcel of a normal expression of Christian faith and service. It's not an added extra. It's not a luxury. It is a state and it is an experience that you and I ought to be operating in all the time. This is a matter of obedience. Let me just uh, draw a thought here, which I think is interesting, because 
We have a negative command and we have a positive command. Did you notice it in verse 18? Here's the negative command. Do not be drunk with wine. That is a command. It's a negative command. Then it's followed by a positive command. Be filled with the Spirit. Not one of us should ever be drunk with wine. That would be disobedient and a violation of God's law. But just as we want to guard our sobriety, we must seek passionately to guard our spirituality. We must be filled with the Spirit. So many Christians measure their Christianity by what they do not do rather than by what they do do. And I think that's a tremendous challenge here. This is a matter of obedience. It is a sin to be full of wine and it is a sin not to be full of the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? In a day of charismatic confusion and chaos, we need to make sure we understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Is it, is it some kind of goose bump experience that you um, enjoy at the hands of some man who's got special powers? Is it the Christian kind of working themselves up into a spiritual lather to a point where the kind of Holy Spirit kicks in? You know, it's like those old cars, you know, you crank them into life. And so you kind of crank yourself into that kind of spiritual state of fullness. Is it the same as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, simply the fact that He is in us, which is the case from the moment we are saved? Does it kind of hint at receiving the Holy Spirit in installments? in that you kind of receive Him and then you do some more things and you receive some more of Him until after so many of these spiritual experiences, you've actually received Him in His fullness? Do we get the Holy Spirit in an installment plan? It's none of these things. The filling of the Spirit is not the same as the indwelling, the baptizing, or the sealing of the Spirit. That is momentary and permanent. This is continuous and conditional. What is it then? Well, we're given a hint, at least, in the contrast that's drawn, a contrast that's actually a comparison. There is a contrast being drawn here that's really a comparison because the filling of the Spirit in, in, in a way is like the effects of the intoxication of a person under wine. There is a sense in which the result of being filled by the Spirit may be compared to being intoxicated. You think that's strange, not really. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, when those early disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and evidenced a presence of God among them, it says in Acts 2 verse 15 that many of the people watching thought that they were drunk. You see, when a person is under the influence of alcohol, they are under the control of alcohol, right? It takes charge of their senses, clouds their mind, it possesses their judgment. And that really is the meaning of the word filled. It means to be under the control of. And so Paul calls us to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obligation. And in its essence, it means that you come under the control of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Greek word is pleiru. It connotes more than being filled with something, i.e. a glass being filled with water. 
It actually carries more the idea of coming under the control of something. In fact, it's, it's used in 2 Peter 1 verse 21 of um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the act of inspiration when He moved upon those prophets of old. That's our word. And it's a word in that context that kind of carries the idea of a, the seal of a ship being filled with wind and coming under the controlling direction of the wind. This is our word. In fact, it's used in other places to uh, come under the total control of an emotion. In uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 25, we read that people were filled with fear. In Luke 6, verse 11, we're told that people were filled with anger. It's the same word. They were full of fear. They were full of anger. That means that that emotion dominated their actions and their reactions. That's our word. It's, it's to be dominated. It's to be under the control of. When we say, you know what, I'm full of the cold. What does that mean? It means that we, we feel shivers or a fever all over our body. The effects of the cold can be felt everywhere in our body. We're filled with the cold. That's the idea here. And that's the challenge, folks, to you and to me. You and I ought to, on a day-by-day basis, to be under the control, influence, direction, and domination of the Spirit of God. Just as much as I do not ever want to be drunk, I must ever want to be filled with the Spirit of God and under his control and direction. John MacArthur in his commentary on this verse says, the Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit can be compared to a glove. Until it is filled by a hand, a glove is powerless and useless. It is designed to do work, but it can do no work by itself. It works only as the hand controls and uses it. The glove's only work is the hand's work. It does not ask the hand to give it an assignment and then try to complete the assignment without the hand, nor does it gloat or brag about what it used to do because it knows the hand deserves all the credit. A Christian can accomplish no more without being filled with the Holy Spirit than a glove can accomplish without being filled with a hand. It's a great analogy, which brings us to the third thought, the experience of spiritfulness. We realize this is an important issue, not to be dodged. This is a matter of obedience. This is a command that went out to the whole church, not just to the pastors, not just to the deacons. Can you imagine it? It went even to the children to be filled, to come under the control of the Holy Spirit, to allow the life of God within to affect everything without. So what, how do we experience it then? What about the experience of spiritfulness? How is it we can come to and stay in this blessed state? I think there are two things here, and I'll try and bring it out of the text. First of all, it begins with what I call the crisis of decision. Let's go back to our verb, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled. Remember what we said, it's in the imperative mood, it's a command. It uh, is in the plural form. It's addressed to everybody. And it's in the passive voice. You say, Pastor, you're getting very technical. Just hang on. You are smart people. It simply means if it's in the passive voice, it means that this is an action that the person doesn't do. It's an action that someone else does to the person. If you read the Greek, if something's in the active voice, that means God is telling you to do it. 
But this is in the passive voice. This is something the Spirit does for us. So when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit of God, come under his influence, domination, and direction, and then he uses the passive voice, he's saying, look, it begins with you yielding. It begins with you taking your hands off the steering wheel. It begins with you taking your fingers off all the levers of your life. It means you sitting back in this sense that you understand that the Spirit of God must take complete control. And there's things you must do. We'll get to that in a moment. But it begins with this crisis of decision. If we have not realized it for a long time, or maybe we haven't realized it at any time, you and I must give up on fleshly methods and human works to do the will of God. We must have the Spirit of God to fulfill the will of God according to the Word of God. And you and I need to make a decision that we can do nothing apart from Christ's help and Christ sent us a helper, and that is the Holy Spirit. So you've got to say to yourself, I can do nothing. It begins a fresh work of God in my life with me making a decision, a decisive decision to allow the Holy Spirit to take charge of my marriage, my career, my thought life, my heart's desires. It's got to be that way. Remember how, what it said of Daniel? Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the king's meat. Remember it said of Daniel, Joshua's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Charles Bridges, the great Puritan who wrote a good commentary in Proverbs, said this, The narrow way was never hit upon by chance, neither did a heedless man ever lead a holy life. Maybe in a quiet moment tonight, you and I would again go to God and realize, Oh God, I yield myself up to you. I present my body as a living sacrifice. I need to do it on a continual basis. And I need to make a decisive act and a decisive action to take my hands off my life and allow myself to be governed. We don't like that. Our Adamic nature doesn't like to be governed. It begins with a crisis of decision and it continues with what I call a process of dedication because this is in the present tense. You didn't realize there was so much to get out of a little word, a verb. But the Greek has moods and it has tenses and, and um, it has voices. And this is a present tense verb. So it's an imperative verb. It means it's a command. It's in the plural form. It's a command given to everybody. And it's in the present tense. It means that this is a command that you just don't fill once and you're done with it. This is a command that you've got to be constantly obeying. Now, it begins with a decision, a surrender, a point of yieldedness where you say to God, the Holy Spirit, fill me. We realize that the Spirit of God is resident, but is He president? He's resident, but is He reigning? Have you and I yielded ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit? We've got to offer that up to God, and then on a continual basis, you and I have got to continue to yield ourselves to God. Just as a man has got to keep drinking to get drunk, so a Christian has to keep being obedient to be filled. Let me help you with this. A man who is filled, says George Duncan, in his little book, Mastering the Storm, he was a 
Scottish Presbyterian minister. I had the privilege of hearing on a number of occasions, pastored the Tron Church in Glasgow. He said this at a conference, a man who is filled with the Spirit is a man who, in whose life the ministries of the Spirit are being fulfilled. What does it mean to be filled? What does it mean to be under His control? He's given you a clue here. The Holy Spirit was sent to us by the risen Lord as a gift. What a gift. Do you realize when the Spirit, God gave you His Spirit, He gave you Himself? Because we believe that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's not less than the Father. He's not an inferior version of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, when the Lord Jesus Christ said in the Upper Room Discourse, I'll send you another helper, he used a Greek word which meant I'll send you another of the same kind as myself as a helper. The Holy Spirit is God. When God gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us himself. And the Holy Spirit came with particular purposes and ministries. And if you and I are gonna be filled by him, then we must allow him to fulfill those ministries in us and through us. And if those ministries are being fulfilled, you and I can be sure we're filled with the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is not evidenced by speaking in tongues or displaying some gift of miraculous healing or doing something crazy. Now, the filling of the Spirit is evidenced by you seeking to glorify Christ in everything you do. We know that because that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, amen? The Holy Spirit was sent to what? To glorify the Lord Jesus. And when your life and my life is heading in the direction of glorifying the Lord Jesus increasingly, you and I can be encouraged that we are being filled and acted upon by God, the Holy Spirit. When you and I take time to read our Bibles and get excited about Bible study and become obedient to what we know, we can be sure we are increasingly being filled by the Holy Spirit because that's another ministry of the Holy Spirit. Read the Upper Room Discourse. He is sent to lead us into all truth. When you have a hunger for truth, when you will defend truth, when you will fight for truth, when you love truth, that's another evidence that the Holy Spirit is filling you. When you let God take ownership of your wallet, of your thoughts, of your desires, of your life, that's another evidence that you're being filled with the Spirit because one of His ministries is to seal us. We're told of that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. The word used there to be sealed by the Spirit is a word that was taken from, the, I remember reading this in Harry Ironside's book in Ephesians many years ago, that down in the harbor at Ephesus, when a man bought perhaps some lumber, he sealed it with his, his business crest or whatever, and he would come back a few days later to take what was his. That was the image that Paul uses. And it's an image of ownership and authority over that possession. And when you and I are yielding our possessions and ourselves to the Holy Spirit, for his use to the disbursement of our goods for God's glory, we can be encouraged we're beginning to be filled by the Holy Spirit. When we have a hunger to pray and seek the face of God with the church and alone before the throne of grace, then you and I can be encouraged that the Holy Spirit of God is acting upon us. He's got a wonderful prayer ministry in our life. You know, you've got two advocates. You ever think about this? God gave us two advocates. We've got the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, who's an advocate between us and God. And we've got the Holy Spirit who advocates the hidden 
complicated desires of our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are out of prayers, he prays. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. One other sign, there's others, but we'll be done with this. He came and he gave us gifts. Read about it in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. When you and I got saved, we were baptized by the Spirit, placed in the church. We are in union with all those who are in union with Christ. And the Spirit of God gives us gifts, spiritual enablements to teach, to help, to administrate. When a person is filled with the Spirit of God, they'll be active. And they'll take their gifts, and you'll see them adding to the strength of the body life of a local church. If a person is not ministering in a church, you can be sure that they are not filled with the Spirit of God. Because people who are filled with the Spirit of God are people whose lives are marked by the Spirit's ministries being fulfilled in them. They'll be praying. They'll be serving. They'll be studying. They'll be teaching. They'll be glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody said this, A great many think because they have been filled once, they are going to be full for all time after. But, oh, my friends, we are leaky vessels and have to be kept right under the fountain all the time in order to be kept full. It's a good quote. And it is a reminder that this is a present tense verb. You and I have got to stay under the fountain, under the faucet. We've got to stay close to the Spirit of God. We must not grieve Him. We must be filled by Him. We must remind ourselves often, you know what? It's not just what I don't do that marks me out as a Christian. It's what I do do. Okay, I've never been drunk, but am I on a continual basis being filled with the Spirit of God? Is His ministries being fulfilled through me, my wife, my children? Because this is a command to all of us. Our lives begin to look a lot different when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Know the Truth in a message from Philip DeCourcy titled, Filled with the Spirits or the Spirit. It's possible you'd like to hear today's lesson again or share it with a friend. You'll find it when you visit us online at ktt.org. Look for the series titled, That Makes Good Sense. At Know the Truth, it's our mission to share God's Word so that believers are encouraged daily in their faith to learn and live biblically so that they're equipped to serve in their local church and community and to help them become engaged in sharing the gospel everywhere they go. We do this by boldly proclaiming the truth of God's Word with clarity and conviction through the radio, internet, and printed resources. Men and women around the world depend on the daily teaching of Know the Truth. But as a listener-supported ministry, we rely on the generosity of listeners like you to keep this ministry going. And when you give a generous one-time gift or even sign up for a monthly auto gift, you help keep Know the Truth on the air so that listeners can continue growing in their faith. You'll also receive helpful resources to grow in your own faith. In May, you'll receive Tim Challey's book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Combining personal narrative, sound theology, and beautiful writing, this book shows readers how God is sovereign and good in loss and how you can pass through times of grief while keeping your faith and how biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. 
Request a copy for yourself or a friend in need. Call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. You can also write to us, address your envelope to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd. looking forward to having you with us tomorrow when Philip DeCourcy shares a message from the book of Proverbs, Hear Why All Bets Are Off. Tuesday with Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Mm-hmm.